Hello again. So, um, we're on chapter 27, so I thought I'd just get on with it. Okay, so here we go, chapter 27. The old man sat with his knees on the hard wooden floor and his head resting on her lap. His thick white hair flopped over her dark grey skirt and a tear slowly meandered down his sad, drawn cheek. Good night, my love, he said. You are my piece of heaven on earth. I hope your heaven is all that mine has been. Good night, until we meet again. The old man lifted his head and gently moved the arms of the woman he sat with, so that they lay crossed over her chest. The woman's hair matched the colour of his own, but her frame was much thinner and more fragile than his solid, thick structure. She had been his soulmate on earth. She had been his reason for living. He had loved her with all his heart, and his heart was now broken. He sucked the air into his lungs in a sudden, involuntary, muscular spasm. But if he, ha- if he could have stopped himself from breathing, he would have done so. The solitary, steady tear continued to trickle. Never before in his life had the old man cried. Never in all his 120 years had a single tear left his deep blue eyes. And in those years there had been many, many times when circumstances had arisen to pull at his heart and tear at his emotions. Not until now had his body felt any reason to truly grieve. A loud hammering on his front door lifted the old man's head from its deep contemplation of all that he had lost. Go away, he shouted in agitation. Go away. The loud hammering continued and the door handle of the old man's flat was being twisted against its, against its will, being turned furiously and clumsily back and forward. Instead, fad, instead fast protest and defence for its owner, the door did not open. Go away, the old man shouted again. Let me grieve in peace, he called. Leave us in peace. Her body was still warm, and he could not believe that now of all moments, in the minutes after the final breath had just left her lungs, when those last gasps of air still filtered through the air around him, that now all of, of all moments someone came banging on his door. In all of the five years since he and his wife had lived here, no one except the landlord had ever come banging on his door. Well, whoever it was that had come calling, he would make them leave. One way or another, he would make them leave. He pulled the door open. The face of a young woman met him. He recognised the line of her features, but before he could begin to form in his mind where he knew her, where he recognised her from, behind her he saw at least twenty other faces. The old man was quite literally flabbergasted. He thought as he opened the door and saw all the serious faces that maybe this was his senility, that his five years of reclusive seclusion from the outside world had combined with his grief and his centurion age to leave him senile and delusional. The old man's brow furrowed deeply. His arm moved to slam the door in the face of the woman and all the staring people. But he was stopped by a hand against the door, a hand younger and stronger than his. Benjamin? The old man looked into the eyes of the younger man who had just spoken his name. Benjamin, the younger man continued. My name is Ridian Collins. We need to speak to you. It is very important. This is a matter of life and death. This is important. We need to talk to you. We must talk to you. Benjamin. Internally, the old man had jumped at the sound of the name no one but his wife ever called him, a name he had not used for 70 years. Mariana had sensed his reaction, so much so that she knew that she had been right. He was Benjamin Zidane. 
Benjamin, Mariana said, I believe you are Fedora Sedan's twin brother. If I am right, we must speak with you. But if I am wrong, we will leave. Either way, we need your help. Please. Are you Benjamin Zidane? she asked. Benjamin heard the young woman speak. Her lips had moved and he had heard her words. Senility? Death's door? What did it matter? Because his instinctive reaction to the question she asked would be the same whether he was sane or insane, weak or strong. Of course I am Fedora's brother, he wanted to say. Of course I am his brother. We share the same mother, the same father. We shared the same womb while the same blood supply nourished us for nine months. And then for the preceding 30 years, we shared the same goals and the same ideals. We are twins. We share a greater bond genetically and physiologically than any other set of siblings. And then, after all that, he disowned me. He wanted nothing more to do with me. He judged me weak for loving a woman who, according to his rules and criteria, was not strong or healthy enough to enter his kingdom. My wife was unwell, and for that reason he would not take her into his Pegasian city paved with gold and precious jewels, built on the promise of a paradise on earth. And when I told him I would not go without the woman I loved, he refused to take me too. But in spite of all of that, nothing can change the fact that, of course, he is my brother. Benjamin slammed the door hard on the outside world and retreated back to his wife's bedside. He wanted nothing to do with anyone. He wanted to be alone with his wife. Benjamin, Ridian protested, but the solid door did not hear him. Mariana had seen the twinkling flash of a tear on Benjamin's cheek. It had been wiped with coarse, gruff hands, but the twinkling smudge of glistening salt water left behind was the indelible mark of sadness on his face. And when Mariana had looked behind Benjamin and seen the outline of the large armchair that his wife had always sat at, looking out of the window while Benjamin moved around her or sat with her, she had seen that it was empty. Ridian, Mariana said, I think perhaps it is his, it is his wife. Ridian shrugged. Perhaps. Perhaps it is his wife. It is his wife. I do not. I do not know anything about him. And he knows nothing about us. Mariana replied. His mind is elsewhere. We are just a random mob of strangers. Even if we can persuade him to listen, how can we persuade him to care? The mob behind were muttering in a low drone and were gradually beginning to move away, back to the lives they had fleetingly left in the anticipation of being part of something bigger than what their existence currently held. When Benjamin's door had closed, they had sensed that there was nothing more here than a sad and lonely old man whose privacy they were trespassing upon. With politely whispered disappointment, they moved down the stairwell of the block of flats. Mariana, Hilary said, pulling at her sleeve, the people are leaving, they are giving up. I will stop them, Ridian declared. We need them to stay. This is not over yet. In the preceding few moments, it turned out that Ridian was a natural auditor, Sounding like he had prepared his speech a fortnight in advance, the words flowed from his mouth in dignified confidence and wisdom, and Mariana saw that the inspired Hilary had a new hero. Wait, do not give up, Ridian began. His voice bellowed out through the echoing hallway. This is just the beginning. 
What we have gathered here for as a small but resolved group is the biggest threat the world has ever faced. Extinction and dominance, entire species wiped out, never to reappear on the Earth's surface. We are in the 25th century and we are on the brink of being wiped out or of becoming brutally enslaved. The Pegasian dream promised heaven on Earth, but for all of us, it will become hell on Earth unless we do something about it. Our children will bear the brunt of the fourth chimeric's wickedness and their wickedness will know no bounds or have no boundaries. And we all know who they are and what they can do and it will not be easy to stop them. But we still have hope. Radian turned to Mariana. She knows there is hope. She holds knowledge we do not. We must trust her. For behind this door may be the beginning of the end. If we wait, we may be able to change the ending, but if we walk away, the end will finish us all. Ridian's speech had the desired effect, and Mariana and Hilary watched the slow motion, slow motion movement of the crowd as they gradually regrouped in nodding agreement. Benjamin, Mariana said into the door, I used to call you Atticus. I saw you from my balcony nearly every day. I watched you feed your wife. I watched you as you sat with her and read to her and talked to her. I am the girl who lives in the opposite flat to you and every day that I saw you, you would smile over to me and wave and you always brighten my day and I thank you for that. And I am really sorry that we have come at a bad time but I am afraid that there is no good time anymore. We have come about the fourth chimeric and the longer we wait, the worse it will get. There is a Pegasian called Isaac. If he knew you existed, he would destroy you. He almost destroyed me. You see, my grandfather was Peter Strauss. Perhaps you knew him. He worked with you and your brother when you were much younger. He is dead now, but he left me all he had. And most of that was his research to destroy the fourth chimeric. But it was not finished. You can finish his, re his research for him, you and your brother Fedor. You are the only living person on this earth who can finish his research and help end the reign of the fourth chimeric before it gets the chance to begin. You and your brother can stop it. Fedor has already helped us, but it will have been useless without you. We need you, Benjamin. We really do. Please help us. Please. Benjamin looked down at his wife's still body. He kissed her gently on the cheek for the last time and pulled the blanket over her. Wiping the trickling tear from his eye, he stood up from her bedside. His knees ached and creaked, and he felt the grating strain of wear and stiff old age as he slowly elevated his body to stand. He walked over to the front door of his flat and opened it. He had always called her Grace. She had looked like, she had looked like a Grace to him, and he smiled at the thought that she had called him Atticus. Now he knew her name was Mariana, and that she was the granddaughter of Peter Strauss and she knew that he was Benjamin Zidane, Fedora Zidane's twin brother. She knew the secret he had kept from the outside world since his brother had become ruler of them all. How had she found out? And what exactly could she want that would require his help? Benjamin opened the door to the outside world, and for the first time in 70 years, he let the outside come in. Okay, the end of chapter 27. Oops. That's it, sorry. Bye for now.